James 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 7 and just go to verse number 12. When you're reading through the Bible, um, it's important to see uh, where there's repetition. Uh, And when the Bible is being repetitious about something, that for me personally is, is an alarm, that I need to pay attention to what is being said in the text, and you're going to see something uh, or a particular word in this section that should cause all of us just to kind of pause and say, okay, what is happening in this text? All right, we'll see if we all discover this together. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any, or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes. Or your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. One more time, let us go before the Lord and ask him to bless our reading of the word of God. So Lord, again, we say thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that you have, um, that your word brings life and that your word sharpens us. And not only are we reading it, but your word is reading us. It is, it is putting the finger on the pain point of many of our lives So, Lord, in that, we thank you, God, that there is hope in your word, that there's a Savior we can look to in your word. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you heard the word patience quite a bit, then that's the key word in this text that I'm going to hone in for just a little bit. When I read this text, um, I found myself in an airport this week where the flight had been canceled due to some just some minor issues of hydraulic fluid puddled underneath the airplane no big deal and so after i don't know 15 hours of airplanes and airports in one day i thought the lord might perhaps be telling a joke or something when i saw the word be patient because I found myself in a place where there was no patience and nothing at all of the sorts. You see this word, be patient, my brothers, be patient, be patient. Now I've outlined this and presented to us at least five things that God is calling us to be patient in. First, it's the inevitable that he, that he presents to us, be patient, the Lord is coming. And that's the easy one, be patient the Lord is coming. The next one is be patient in the waiting. Thirdly, and I'll go back through these again. Thirdly, be patient with each other. And fourthly, be patient. God's promises are true. And lastly, 
Be patient with your words. Be patient with your words. Let's look at this first idea that he gives us, and it is be patient for the Lord is coming. Be patient, the Lord is coming. Now, for 2,000 years, the heart of the believer in Christ is the imagination um, of the believer is set on this return, the inevitable return of Christ, where Christ will make all things brand new. Uh, I want you to see things, and we're going we're gonna to talk through this whole idea of patience through the lens of that history is linear. History is linear. For Christians, history is linear. We have something that we can look back on, and that was, by way, the, the, the death and resurrection of Christ. But for us as believers, we have something that we also get to look forward to. So it's not just an essence that we have something to proclaim and something to hold on to and hold fast, which is the message of the resurrection, but we have this reality, and I suggest not just a hope, because a lot of us will say, well, my, my hope in eternity is Christ. No, my reality of the future is with Christ. And so we have to view things through the lens of being on this linear uh, view of history. One of is the resurrection. The other is that we look forward to a glorious day with Christ. And for centuries, for two millennia, that's how the Christian has viewed things. That Christ the Lord will return. And he will return and his church will usher him in and there will be, everything will be consummated under the new heavens and the new earth. And, that, and, and, and if you've been going through a rough week and you've been going through just a rough bout of life, that is a glorious news for you that this is what we have to look forward to. James says, be patient. The Lord is coming. I know you're in trial. Be patient. The Lord is coming. I know things don't look good right now, but be patient. The Lord is coming. In fact, we get a glimpse of, and I'll just paint this picture for you, uh, of what that day looks like. And I've read through Revelation a few weeks ago. And, and listen to what Revelation 21 paints for us, this picture of why we could be patient in the mundane of life that the Lord is coming. And what that looks like for us who are believers. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. And in other words, in other words, this view of sea was torture, was, was pain, where they got wrecked and, and people lost their lives. That reality is no more. No more sea. No more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this. This is, in a sense, why James is saying, Be patient. Because look to the reality that we have that John the Revelator gives us. What will happen? Well, I'll tell you what will happen. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning, no crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, 
I am making all things new. J James is talking to a church in Jerusalem, quite honestly, already being hard-pressed, and the hard-pressing is coming to them. And we know that the early church was already suffering from persecution because they were already trying to squish it out when, when people like Stephen and this early church was just erupting and they were challenging the, 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 the governing establishment and challenging the, the, the false religion of the day. And so we got to do everything that we can do, squish this out so that we can stop this movement of the way. And James knows this reality. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, will experience this for himself. Brother man's going to be thrown off a roof because he will refuse to recant the name of Christ. And this is a cat that didn't believe that Jesus was God. And so now here he is proclaiming the message as a pastor in Jerusalem. And he's about to be hurled off of a roof, doesn't die, and so he's pelted with rocks. And he says to the church, under this suffering, the people who have been experiencing heartaches, trials, temptations, he says to them, hey, my brothers and sisters, I got a word for you. Be patient. View things on this linear lens. God is coming. He will not forsake you. It's, it's this reality of, on the, on the rare occasion, if my six-year-old cries out to me, because most of the time he cries out to his mom because he knows she's a little bit more sympathetic than I am. But on the rare occasion when he does, don't judge me, when, when he does cry out, dad, dad, and he's hurt, and I rush to him, and I pick him up, he knows that I'm not just going to leave him there in pain. And, and, and for us, it's the Christian imagination too. We cry out, God, come. And one day, God will come. James looks at this church and the church universal and the church 2,000 years later in Cedar City, Utah, and says, be patient. The Lord is coming. Then he goes into this, to this idea of be patient God is working you in you in the waiting, right? So be patient in the waiting. God is working in you. Look at the illustration he gives. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. The farmer, the one who's been laboring, the one who's been planting the seeds, the one who's waiting for the rains to fall, the one who is waiting for all of his labor, like the fruit of his labor to finally come. He tells him, like, listen, be patient. Be patient. How things are right now is not how things will end. And for the Christian, again, view things on the linear lens right here. Just because if the line is here, your way out here, the end result for you is going to be glorious. The fruit will eventually come in all of your laboring, all of the hardships, all of the suffering, all of the pain will one day just be a distant memory. James says, be patient. Just like the farmer had to labor in the garden, had to wait for the rain, couldn't control all this stuff either. 
Like he was responsible for just for plowing and putting the seed in, the hard part, but the rest and the results was on God. James says, listen, life is like that. It's hard, it's heavy, it's hard pressed. Sometimes you won't see results. Sometimes you plant the garden and surprise, there's a drought. James says, even in the droughts, be patient. The Lord is at work in the waiting. And, and, and if I could, from a theological standpoint, what the Christian believes and what we, what we would put this in uh, the parameters of, of sanctification, right? I mean, isn't that what God is doing? He's sanctifying us. He's got all of us in the ground and we are a seed that's been planted and, and somebody's going to sprout sooner, someone's going to be later, but we all are at the seed of life and God is growing us and he's, and, he's, and he's got his hands in the garden and he's tilling us. James says that's how life is. Be patient. Be patient in the waiting. The Lord is working in you. And, and I don't know if you've ever gardened before. There's, you know, not a whole lot of garden we can do out here when we're in the driest place on earth. Um, it, it, so I don't know how much gardening you do, but, but if you do garden, it, it is like that. It's like you're just like just standing there. And if you sit there and stare at it for a day, guess what? You're not going to see anything. I, have, I, I, love, I love plants and I'm very secure in my masculinity. And, um, and uh, I, I do, and, and so I have this monstera plant, and so, Tom, you'll be proud of me. I, I propagated it, and, uh, and I put it in the water, and for, I, I watched it. I'd, every day I'd go in, and I'd say, I don't see nothing yet. And then, and then I left, and it's been two weeks, and all of a sudden, the little bitty white little buds are growing on it. You all should be proud, and I don't hear any of you proud of me. That's fine. That's, I'm not looking for your applause. Settle down, all right? We're past that point already. I won't be sharing none of my propagated plants with any of you, okay? I got you, Heather. In that, in that life, I mean, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting. If you sit there and stare at it, you're not going to see anything. But, but then you, you leave and you come back and you're like, oh, okay, there's been growth. There's been growth in my life. James says, life is like that. Be patient in the waiting. God is working and moving in you. <laughs> and then notice the shift here, all right? Because then it seems like James is, um, and, and he, if you've been reading through this with it, you've been following along, it's like James is wearing steel-toed boots, uh, okay? And he'd been kicking some shins up in this place, and he kicks your heart a little, your gut a little bit as you read this. And so look, what he he's so patient with people. He's like, hey guys, be patient. God is coming. Be patient. The Lord is going to be here. I promise you, it's hard. It's difficult. Be patient. I promise you. Like life is like this gardener who's just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then suddenly he's like, and so you need to be patient with other people. Look what he says. Can you stop grumbling? You're not going to find those words particularly in there. That's my paraphrase. Do not grumble against one another, my brothers, so that, now that's, that's not excluding my sisters. Okay? He ain't being exclusive in this. So, so women, don't think that you're out of the neck of the woods. You, stop grumbling so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So it's funny, isn't it? 
We're moving from be patient, the Lord is coming, this, this great like reality and the hope in this reality. Be patient in the waiting. God is still working even if you can't see it. But, but, but listen to me. You've got to stop with all this grumbling and complaining. Again, the illustration is through the lens of the linear line that we are all living on. That in our past is our salvation. And in our future hope is also our glorious salvation with Christ, that we are united with him forever. And so he pulls and he ties that reality of the coming of the Lord with this because he says, listen, don't, my, my brothers and sisters, y'all be talking and y'all be fighting and y'all, y'all got all these bad words y'all saying to each other. Like, don't you know that Christ is coming and he is watching you? Isn't that what he said? Like the judge is at the door. And, and so this, this idea that James wants to bring and press hard into is that a lot of us, we, we experienced so much grace in our salvation. I mean, it was like grace upon grace that you just thought my sin was just too much for God to get rid of, but God just overwhelmed you with more grace. I mean, he just waterboarded you with grace and mercy. Horrible analogy, but that's all I can think of, all right? That's, that's my best analogy of grace, waterboarding. And it's, and it's terrible, but it is what God does. And so, but the reality of it is, is that we forget about all that grace that God has imputed upon us. And so, and so we show no grace to the people that get on our nerves. And the reality is, is that if somebody's getting on your nerves, 99.99999% of the time, you be getting on somebody else's nerves. And so you're just thinking like, man, I really, I got somebody that could really use this. I mean, all they do is just grumble, complain. And, and all I just hear is just all this, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not out of the neck of the woods because he's not talking to your neighbor. He ain't talking to your spouse. He's talking to you. Do not grumble and complain because our king is at the door watching you. And, and, so, and so what that does is it brings us into this reality of Okay, God has given me all of this grace and I have got to, I've got to stop forgetting to, to lavish it upon the people who just straight up get on my nerves. I've got to show them grace. I've got to show, that's, there you go. I've got to show them grace. I've got to show them mercy. Not, not you, Tondra, the, the people. Anyway, I'm going to digress right there. Don't grumble. Be patient with your brothers because they're also a work in progress. So he says, be patient. God is coming. Be patient in the waiting God is still working in you that you are a work in progress. And be patient with your brothers and stop grumbling and complaining. Fourthly, he says uh, in this verse 10, and, I, and I'll, I'll sum this up in a way that says, be patient, God's promises are true. God's promises are true. And, and when I read this, I, I laughed to myself uh, as I was reading through this because I, we, we see encouragement in Job. 
in the same sentence. Well, not in the same sentence technically, but I'll show you this. Listen to what he says. As an example of suffering and patience. Right? Meaning, I'm going to encourage you with this, okay? I'm going to encourage you for just a moment. So he's done kicking in the shins, and he moves to encouragement. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It's an intriguing argumentation that James makes because he reminds people of the one book and the one section of a book that many of us are too scared to try to tackle. <laughs> and that's the story of Job. Right? You, you remember the story of Job? I'll, 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 I'll re- give you a quick refresh if I can. Um, God is in the heavens. Satan comes up and, you know, doing his little slithery thing. And God asks him the question. He says, have you considered my, my boy Job down there? And saying, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to get him to recant his faith. I'd, it'd make me no more happy, and this is all my paraphrase, it'd make me no more happier than to get Satan to curse you or to get Job to curse you. And, and, and so if you know the story, you have to be careful and mindful of the story because God allows him, now there's a struggle that you could do on your own. God allows him to test Job. God allows Satan to test Job, but he, but he gives Job certain parameters. And we read this quickly. And I don't know if this is hours or days, but in just a matter of a few sentences, Job loses seven children. He loses his entire career and wealth in an instant vanished, gone, like that. And Job declares, he breaks down, he tears his robe, and he says these beautiful words that we repeat, naked I came, naked I'll go. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Not cursed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just had his children completely just taken from him and all that he had was gone. Satan comes back. And yeah, I I don't know if there's a grin on God's face, but I'm sure they're down there watching. See, he's praising me. He has not cursed me. And, and Satan goes, well, what about his health? Can I take his health? And God says, you cannot kill him. Okay? Again, watch. God sets these parameters. One theologian calls Satan the little dog on a leash. God has Satan on a tiny little leash and only allows him to do certain things. 
Again, you could go wrestle that on your own. You could email Dan and ask him to exegete that for you. Uh, I ain't got time this morning. That's not the purpose of this. But, but, but watch what, what happens. He, he, he gets these boils and, and he's suffering with, with what seems like an insufferable, incurable disease. And, and, and the first bout, he didn't lose his wife. Now, I'm perfectly satisfied with my wife. But if I'm Job, I would have asked God, could I at least keep my dog and you take the wife? Because watch what the wife does. He's just, they both lost everything. And now he's in boils with this suffering and this skin condition that seems like there's no cure. His wife comes up to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? And you know what James or Joe probably was thinking? You know what I need right now? A nagging woman. That's exactly what the, the, the demonic part in all of this is you. You think that that's what I need right now? Now, for the reader, and, we, and I jest in saying that how is this encouraging? Like James is like, be patient in your suffering. Be patient in your trials. Y'all remember Job? How is, that, how, how is that an encouragement? Because we know the end of the story. We know what happens. We know that God restores everything back to Job. Now listen, I don't say this in a way of diminishing any of our suffering or any of our pain, but I, don't, I haven't met yet someone who has lost seven children at a single instance and lost all their wealth, lost everything, had an almost incurable disease. Now that's not diminishing suffering and pain that you and I have gone through because we have been through it. I know you've been through it. James uses this as an encouragement to us. If God sustained Job through what looks like some of the most horrific scenes in the Old Testament. My brothers and sisters, he says, be patient. Be patient. God's promises are true. God restored to Job. And God is still in the business of restoring. It's why I say, look at things through the linear lens. This linear line that one day for the believer, the old will pass away and the new will come. Be patient. God's promises are true. Augustine, um, the Bishop of Hippo, he once said that the Christian life is often uh, like our faces are squished up against a stained glass window. It's a beautiful illustration because if you've ever seen a legit stained glass window, what, what do you see? If you're this close, now I would have to have a magnifying glass to see anything this close, but if you're this close to a stained glass window, all you see is the brokenness. All you see is the shattered glass. 
And Augustine says, uh, he explains that the Christian life is like this. Our faces are hard pressed on, on the stained glass. And all we see is the shatteredness. All we see is the devastation. All we see is the brokenness. But God, who is infinite and outside of eternity, he sees the beautiful stained glass uh, window. And all, that all we could see is just the shatteredness of it. God, God sees the beautiful picture that he's creating. Be patient, my brothers and sisters. God's promises are true. Fifthly, he says, again, he does a little kind of back and forth with some of this exhortations and really um, the warnings to us. But, but look what he says, be patient with your words. Be patient with your words. And how are we to be patient with our words? Well, he's going to address it right here. But above all, you see, earlier it was about grumbling, and now he's going to talk about some other things here. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. When, when James writes about swearing an oath, he's not talking about coarse language, all right? Now, don't hear that and say, oh, the preacher just said, I can go out cussing. No, that's not what I'm saying. But that's not, but that's, <laughs> now, unless, unless you're stuck in an airport, I think God, God gives you like the green card. It's okay to let them fly. Um, it's, let them, it's okay to let them fly in the airport. You see what I did there? So um, he's not talking about swear language, all right? Nor is he speaking necessarily in a way where we use God's name in vain. All right, we're, we're thinking something beyond Old Testament here. He's talking about a practice that was quite common in, the, in this era of time, uh, taking an oath to convince someone either that you were telling the truth or that you would keep a promise. You may hear somebody say, well, I'll swear on a Bible that I'll do this. Or... or or, or something on, on the lines where I'll, I'll, I swear it on my mother's grave. Firstly, if you have to make an oath just to convince someone that you're honest, and this is just an observation, I would suggest you're probably not even an honest person. If you're having to swear on your mama's grave, in hindsight, you're probably a lousy human being and you ain't got no business doing this. What is James talking about? Be patient with your words. What does he mean? The Christian, the believer, is marked by our honesty. We're marked by, those are the people that said what they said and did what they said. They didn't have to come in and say, can you sign on the dotted line and I promise you I'll do this right? I'm going to, I'm going to swear on, on this. I'm going to swear on that. James is, James, James is throwing a caution flag to us. Like, listen, my brothers, be patient with your words. Don't just let words fly out of your mouth. Because a lot of us have good intentions, right? We have intentions to do this, and we have intentions to do that, and, and then we never do it. I, I, the, the saying of intentions, right? You remember that saying? Do I need to tell you? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. 
So he's talking to some folks up in the church who have these intentions of doing stuff that they'd never follow through on. Oh, I'm going to help this person. Oh, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to deal with this person. I'm going to come alongside with this person. And then they never do. Well, you, you know, I'm, I'm busy and, you know, I've got so much going on. You don't know my schedule. Like, I just got to toss this person out the door. Like, I just don't have time to deal with it anymore. James, James done called your number and said, my brothers and sisters, you got to be patient with your words. Do not just let them fly out your mouth. Think about it. Are you willing to do the hard work with people as you go through life? That's in reality what's taking place in that particular section. Because when the hard times come and when people's problems get so big that you don't even know what to do, I don't have time to deal with that. James, you have a commitment with the body of Christ and you've got to let your yeses be yes. And you've got to stay devoted to them and you've got to be honest with them. Be patient with your words. James looks at this church and he gives them these exhortations and these, these literally these rebukes to them. And he says, be patient. The Lord is coming. Be patient. The Lord is coming. And again, I, you know, we, we think of, we, we think of when, whenever we hear that uh, phrase of the Lord is coming, like, wow, that's going to be a long time away. But doesn't time pass very fastly? Like, doesn't, like, like it's 20 24. Didn't we already go through a brutal election where we made more enemies than we did friends? And now here we are yet again. You see how, I don't know about that, uh, yeah, but right? Like it's, it seems like we just got out of that in here. Like it moved so fast. I have a child who'll be 18 this year. I, I might as well be a senior citizen, you know? Like, I don't, no offense. Like, I don't, I don't know how I got to this point. I don't know how I got to this point of where now I have children who are, who's, all, who's an adult, which, no offense to Jude, he's a great human being. That's terrifying. Not him, just the general 18-year-old population, okay? And I say that from experience because I remember me as an 18-year-old adult. It's terrifying. But here, we are, here I am. I'm on the linear line and it's moving rapidly. And some of us think, well, no, it'll take, it'll take, take forever to get to this point. I tell you, you better be careful with that. That's why James says, do not grow faint. Do not grow weary. Listen to me very carefully. Be patient. Be patient in your suffering. The Lord is coming. Be patient in the hardships. The Lord is coming. Be patient. He is in the waiting. Be patient. He is in the workings of your life. Be patient. The Lord is coming. Whenever I preach a sermon like this, it's, it's always interesting because I know a lot of us have gone through the difficult things 
And many of these things probably strike some anxieties within us. Many of these things probably strike some fears. We've had a whole sermon filled with being patient because the Lord is going to come. Be patient because God is going to accomplish what he started in your life. Be patient. And here's what I know. Like some of you are going to write this down and like, you know what, this is going to be good for me to remember because I know I'm going to be at a point in my life where, where I remember that, that, that joker was yelling at me and he told me in, in, in the process of waiting, in the process of suffering, just be patient. God's working. Just be patient. God's coming. But then there are some of us here. This isn't some futuristic thing that we're just putting as a side note because the reality is, is, is that some of us are in here and it's just been a week from the pits of hell. All right, you've been struggling in sin. You've had a week of depression, a week of anxiety. You've had a week, and for some of us, it's just, I'm just I can't get over this, this pill addiction. I can't do this. I'm, I have all my doubts. I'm still struggling in this sexual sin and I just can't seem to just shake it off. Here's what James would say to you. Be patient. Right? Be, be patient. God is working in you. That the grace of God, the mercy of God, he's not surprised, you know? Like he's like, oh no, I can't believe they fell into that same old trap again. No, the, the grace of God is they're just still extending and, and lavishing and just waterboarding on you in your shame, in your sin. Listen to me. Be patient. God is still in the garden. And he is still tilling at your heart. He's still working in the weeds of your life. He will not leave you. Be patient. And I think for others of us, it's this reality of, wow, you were, you know, I, I have this issue to where I, I hoard the grace and I don't extend it out to anyone at all. And, I, and I, everybody gets on my nerves. I, I hate life. I hate people. And, and so, and this is just a loving warning for you. And maybe you're the problem. And James would say, you need to be patient with your brothers and sisters. Be patient in the crumbling. And others of us, we may just need to be just simply, right, just reminded of the promises of God and that how true they are. Right? I mean, look what God did for, for these prophets. Look what God did for Job. Look what God did for all these people. How much love that he has for you that he will not forget you that his promises for you are true today. I, I love that the last few lines of, of the book of Jude, because it really sums up best what James is trying to accomplish here. Um, these these half-brothers seem to have it right. Um, to him who is able to keep you. You hear that? He's able to keep you from stumbling, be all glory and honor and praise. He is able to keep you. You can't out him. You can't even knock him off. He is able to keep you in his hands. So be patient. Be patient. The Lord is coming. 